If you can figure out your own personal finance, you can figure out your own business. And that's like, that's it. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to go to get an MBA. Like you truly just need to figure out your own personal finance and you will get so far. Hey, welcome to the Lady Brains podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for female founders and founders to be. If you're smart, savvy, and ambitious, then Lady Brain, you are in the right place. Get ready for a dose of inspo, hard-hitting truths, and actionable insights. Strap in. Today's guest has been on our hit list for a very long time. We're chatting with Puno Dostras, the founder of I Love Creatives, a digital platform for creatives who want to learn new skills, find new pathways, and be part of a good vibes community. Puno started I Love Creatives in 2014, and it began as a simple weekly email, which curated all the creative things that were happening in downtown LA. Over the years, this newsletter grew by word of mouth, and with it, so did the community who rallied around the brand. Since then, I Love Creatives has grown to offer a whole range of products and services, including really cool online courses, a design studio, which, by the way, was responsible for the recent Girl Boss rebrand, a creative directory, an online store full of digital and physical products, an ad directory, and so much more. Puno describes herself as a slushy, thick and through, a digital entrepreneur, a UX designer, web designer, creative director, photographer, video maker. She's also a savvy businesswoman. And in this chat, we learn how she's built out multiple revenue streams and grown her team. And why as a founder, doing the math on your personal finances is absolutely key to your business's success. Right off the bat out of college, I was an art director for an advertising agency. I got that job because I thought I was going to make a business, an internet business. And this was 2006. So I basically got the job because I made an internet business that I was trying to get creative directors at advertising agencies to use. This is right before the iPhone. This is when startups were like kind of all over the place. Banner ads were a thing. Emails were a thing. So I got a job because I was like the internet girl. <laughs> then after that, got laid off 2008, started freelancing. And then user experience design became a job because the iPhone came out. And so that's when I got into UX. Then I worked at Activision as a UX designer. Then I quit my job. And I quit my job around 2014. And my husband and I, he's a programmer. I'm a designer. And so we were like, let's build something. And so we built this travel app called Made With Map. And in that also built another like app called People Map. That was an Instagram marketing tool. And from there was like meeting a ton of people. Instagram had come out and then I felt like I was just in this new world of freelancers and people who are trying to make businesses and creatives. I didn't know how else to describe them. And so made a site called I Love Creatives and ended up closing down Map, closing down People Map and just focusing on I Love Creatives. And now we're here. Yeah. So what was that time like when you were sort of running People Map and you were surrounded by all these creatives, like what galvanized you to create a site for them? Like what was the idea at that stage? 
At that stage, it was aggressively meeting people because I needed new friends. And Los Angeles is huge. And so they came to be a point where I felt like I was an operator and I was just like, people would come to me and say, hey, do you know someone who does this? Or, hey, I have an event. Can you let people know? I wasn't really too keen on Facebook groups at the time. Instagram still wasn't like it was still we were on the Instagram filters. You know what I'm saying? Like it was not this was early days. <laughs> and so there wasn't really a place to find all of that. And I actually saw this one newsletter that was really just for real estate. It was like for apartment hunting. All it was is it's literally just listings. It was text-based listings. And so I was like, what if we just start there and like make this classified kind of Craigslist-y thing? And we literally just started with the newsletter. I started it with another friend of mine, Eva, who's now moved on to build Mod, the vibrator condom company. They do more than that, but like, yeah. And so, yeah, we just built Squarespace website and a MailChimp newsletter over the weekend and told anybody who ever came to us like saying, hey, I'm doing this thing. We would just be like, let's just put it in this newsletter. I'm not a very consistent person, but this has been going out every Wednesday since 2014. That sounds pretty consistent to me. (laughs) That's extremely consistent. So the big lesson was because I was like starting all these little businesses I love creatives. I had no patience for. I was like, this is not a charity. Like, I need to make money for this and I can't run it. So I priced it out in a way that I like tracked my hours, saw how long it would take me to like make an ad, for example. Everything is very manual. Like, there's no app because like Daniel was tapped. (laughs) He was like, I can't make any more of your ideas. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Go do this yourself. So I was like, coo, coo, coo. So, I mean, and honestly, it's the thing that is why I Love Creatives was able to thrive because I could just use all the tools that are out there that already exist and just kind of hack them a little bit. I hired somebody to help me out. We weren't making money, but we weren't in the red. So like there was no reason to turn it off. And that's why we were consistent because it was just always in the black. And so was it organic at that time? Like were people just organically finding this newsletter and subscribing and reaching out saying, hey, can I pop my listing in there? Yeah, I would say first six months, we were definitely adding more to it than we were receiving. And I wouldn't be like, yeah, this is like the best business ever. No, definitely not. You can count the revenue that you can make if you just get our newsletter. It's not like a business business. And the other thing too is I never wanted to do ads. Like the whole point of this was because I wanted it to be accessible for small businesses and creatives like me. So we never really like went that ad route. Although that is lucrative. That is a way to do it. We're experimenting with that now, but that wasn't the point in the beginning. And do you think it was the consistency that helped you gain traction? Like, how were you growing that list? How were you finding more creatives? What's one thing that really like worked in those early days? I think it was that. I think it was just like, I mean, how does consistency not work? Mm. (laughs) For me, like consistency always works. It's just really hard. And that's why so many people stop and fall off the bandwagon. And then they're like, oh, well, why didn't this work? Why wasn't I successful? And it's like, well, if you just had to keep going. (laughs) But you have to have the systems around you to, you know, like... In order to be consistent and to make consistency achievable, like you have to have some systems and support around you. What 
helped you with that consistency or what has helped? I mean, if I could just be an ops and project manager, I would be pretty happy. That's so interesting. Because <laughs> like I, I mean, I was a UX designer. I love breaking apart steps. I love teaching. I love um, finding efficiencies. I love like figuring out new ways to do things, maybe too much. I'm sure people who have worked with me is just like, damn, we just learned a new workflow and now she's changing it up again. <laughs> Yeah, but that's good. I think that's important because you can be also become complacent and you need to find new ways to, you know, optimize, right? Right. Yeah, mm. totally. And, and this is where the whole tracking your time thing is, for me, so important as a founder. For anybody who ever wants to scale and bring in employees or anything like that, just understanding your own work process and being able to break that down is the job that is literally how you scale is like that. So people that I know that scale the best are people who are um, heavy documenters. They just create documentation and they know how to teach and they know how to be patient and work until someone figures it out and gets it, you know? So I think that's like kind of it. So I want to talk about expanding your offerings and your revenue streams because now it's quite varied. You've got courses, you've got the studio ads, you've got partnerships. I mean, there's so much going on. It's really exciting. What was kind of the next step for you beyond those emails that were consistently going out? What did you see? What was the opportunity and where did you go from there and how did you grow the business? One, because I had a Squarespace site, or if you have Shopify, it doesn't matter. Whatever has like a cart, <laughs> you can put a price on anything, you know? In the beginning, I just wasn't precious about anything. Creative Profiles is like, yeah, let's put this up, say it's this much amount of money, and then see what happens. On the digital front, that was like really easy to experiment with and play around with. And there was no strategy for it. There probably should have been, but I was just like, whatever, let's just, yeah. <laughs> I think where everything turned and why we ended up feeling confident about shutting down People Map and focusing solely on I Love Creatives was when we went to online courses just because it was a huge revenue driver. Like that is our business now. Studio, which is our like boutique agency, was something that I always fought. Like I was always ready. I'm always ready one step out of the door for this one because it's service-based still. I love it because it keeps me on my toes. There's always someone who needs design or, you know, strategy or whatever. And so basically my strategy for studio was if I can figure out how to make it easy, then I'll keep it going. But once it gets hard, once you get hard, I will cut you so hard. <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> it's like empty threats. Like, who am I threatening? It's like you're on the other side of your brain. It's like yeah. one's like, yep, all right, let's do this. Let's play. And the other side is like, but if you stuff this up and make this difficult, <laughs> you're not allowed to do it anymore. Like, I feel like these are conversations as founders that we definitely have with ourselves. Yeah. You're just always talking to yourself. It's like, yeah, that's that's the job. Yeah. For studio, I got really lucky because one of my first students who graduated is a great designer, amazing person. Her name's Mindy. And I always kind of told her, like, would you be down to like do this? And then she was like interested in freelancing. And so we took on a couple of projects for a year 
it worked out. And I was like, well, hey, do you want to just be the creative director for this? And I can do biz dev. Like, I don't actually have the capacity right now to design at all. Truly, that is not my role in this. And so she was down. And then we had another student. And in fact, the whole other reason why we wanted studio was because we wanted to provide actual real world experience for anybody who finished our course. That was like a, another big goal. It kind of just worked out. And it's so interesting because like, when you're saying like, you're doing all these little things, but I feel like when I look at what we're doing, there's like all these Venn diagrams of things that are helping each other. For example, the Girl Boss podcast, I thought that would help Isle of Creatives a lot more than it did. But truly, it helped Studio for agency work. You designed the rebrand for Girl Boss? Yeah. 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 And that was crazy because we were just like, where'd you guys come from? Where, how did you hear about it? It was like, Girl Boss, Girl Boss, Girl Boss. Wow. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. I would not have seen that. Interesting, even though it's a huge podcast. (laughs) Oversight on that one. That's all right, yeah. I mean, it definitely put you on the map and probably from a global perspective. Are you getting work from around the world? I mean, obviously, design can transcend or is it just the US that you were getting interest? Yeah, everybody is mostly US-based or Canadian. I guess maybe we're more tapped into those kind of podcasts. So, you know, we didn't know about it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a huge moment for you. It was so interesting when it happened, I was so hesitant to do it. To host the podcast or to do the rebrand yeah. or both? Once I became the host, I, I wanted to do the rebrand. So I pitched it and they were very, very down. So it was a good crew when I was there. Like the fastest, most seamless client relationship that we've ever had. Taylor Loren was running it at the time. She's now doing her own thing. But like she was so great to work with. And yeah, I mean talk about great client. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. Did you see a huge increase in inbound leads after that project? And have you kind of pulled back in terms of the business development for the studio since then? I wouldn't say huge inbound. Like it's definitely manageable. I think it's just like, it's just a different level. I mean, I, I we were doing Squarespace websites and now we're doing full on rebrands. We're doing app redesigns, full photo shoot campaigns, videos now. So it's just like a different level at this point. And how many people have you now hired through studio? 40, 50. Wow. It's massive. So is that arguably a bigger part of the business than your online courses or is it the other way around? No way. I don't think so. It depends. I think like it's service still, right? And we don't really have a lot of retainer clients. Not that we don't want to... But in a way, it's just kind of worked out where we haven't. I kind of like it. I I don't want to speak for Mindy, but it's kind of nice to just have this other thing that's always like new, 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 Mm. new, you know, and like you can just flex and like learn new things and have an excuse to look at fonts all day. But otherwise, like I feel like it's unpredictable still. And it's not like courses where we have a product and you can just continuously market it or build new ones, you know, and then work on marketing that. It's always just like this thing that's, maybe it'll be good this year. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to dive into the courses a little bit because I think, I mean, it's obviously a space that is growing so rapidly. We have a lot of women in our community who offer services and are looking at how they can package that up into a digital product, like a course that they can then market. So your first course was a design course. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that creation and the very first launch? How did it go? Well, I spent way too long on it. (laughs) I I spent like six months on it. In retrospect, like that was actually great. You know, it was not a lot of time actually because I've spent way longer on other ones. But I really wanted to do it differently because I felt like courses that I was seeing at the time were very cringy and not trustworthy. I was at a point too... I wanted to make something that was very me, like very my personality because Made With Map was this kind of other personality. People Map was this other personality. But I wanted this to be like very me. I wanted to gamify it. There's no reason why I needed to gamify it. But (laughs) like not in that way, not like in a 3D world. I wanted to make the videos like really funny, which makes your editing like, three times longer. I wanted there to be more one-on-one feedback. And basically, I wanted to hire the person after they finished it. So it just was like a lot. But I think that that's why it's slightly different than a lot of courses that are out there because it had kind of all those elements to it. When we launched, I have to say, because we had this newsletter that was consistent Mm -hmm. every Wednesday, we had enough of a community that knew about creatives. And I was speaking the truth, like I didn't really want to talk about the money so much because I know I'm a little bit of an outlier and I was very hungry and I worked my ass off to become a designer in like six months and a year. I was also a graphic designer for quite a while, but I just wanted people to know that that is actually like how I made a living for a few years was making Squarespace websites, which I would have never thought that was possible. And I feel like a combination of like talking about that and having a course that looks a little different, we did pretty well. Like I think we had about 50 enrollments, the first enrollment. And then I shut it off and I was like, oh, I'm too scared. So was it, it was like a live launch and then you closed it? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's going to be bugs. There's going to be oh, stuff yeah. that I'm going to like miss. <laughs> So I just was like, no, we're going to just cut it off. And so we cut it off. It was great, though, because the first class, the first group of people that wanted to do it, they were just like so hungry for it. And some of those people I still talk to. And so you ran your first cohort. Since then, you have created additional courses, the Instagram course, the video editing course, the finance course has come out. I've just seen that you have like five or six additional ones that are in the pipeline, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Tell us about your growth strategy. Obviously, you are marketing your existing courses, but you're also adding new products. How have you gone about that over the last few years? And I feel like you've also really turned it up a notch in the last 12 months. This is so cool to hear from you guys, Um, by the way. (laughs) Just like as as like a third party, like observing what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, I mean, we're massive, massive fans of your brand, but also we have a similar business. And there are so many things that you've said today that I'm like, oh, that's very similar to how we started. We just launched our first course, Basecamp, about three months ago. So we always look at you as an inspiration and a brand that we look up to. But it definitely feels like you're launching more things. You're cre- co-creating with more people. There's a lot going on. So talk to us about how you've built out that course arm of your business from that one first live launch. The video editing course, we learned a lot from. 
that one was very tool-based. It was just focusing on tools. And while it did okay, I think that with Squarespace, that course, there was almost like three components to it. There was like, learn the tool, learn how to do it on your own. And how can you somehow like freelance with this or like make some money from this? So it was kind of like those three components that I feel like two out of those three were missing from the video editing course. And I was actually in Peru right before COVID. And I was with my friend, Rachel, who has a YouTube channel called That Chic. We just like in general, I just, I mean, I'm like, Obviously, I was a podcast host, so I like to I like to ask like people to lots of yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about. She's like, "Are you kidding me? We're at a buffet." <laughs> so I like was asking her about her process of making videos, and I thought it was really fascinating because she has a way of thinking about it that I never thought about it. And I was like, "This is dope! Like, would you ever want to do a course?" And like at that point, I was like, "I will produce it." So I I put on more of a production hat and she was really worried because she's never done it before. And I was like, don't you worry about it. I've done this before. We just basically need to extract it from you. We did that over a course of a year. I mean, this is also during COVID. So there's a lot going on that time. (laughs) But it was such a great process to do it with Rachel. I feel like that made it so much more fun and interesting for me because what happened was I became more of a teacher for teachers, which I really liked. I was already getting super fulfilled by being a teacher and like helping students. And that was also something I never thought I would be fulfilled by. I don't know. I wasn't even thinking about that. But I mean, I'm sure you guys feel this with Basecamp, but like when you actually help someone, you're just like, damn. That feels real good. (laughs) Yeah. And then when you see the results off the back of it, like, you know, what someone has gone on to create is so fulfilling as well. Yeah. And then now I'm like having to teach Rachel how to be a teacher. That's been so interesting to dissect what I've been doing and like little things that I've learned along the way that can help just make things more clear, make things more fun, make things more transparent. And I really, really like that. And so we were like, okay, let's do this. I want to do this again. Happened to meet another person who is a fiduciary, Caroline. And what I loved about Caroline is that, and this is the thing with any teacher that we bring on is I'm like, this is not about passive income. Like, I don't even know if this course is going to hit. I've had courses that don't hit. So you can't be in it for that. Like you kind of actually have to want to help people. Yeah. (laughs) First and foremost, like, I don't want to work with someone that's like, well, I was only supposed to work for an hour, you know, like, Mm. I'm like, this isn't for you. Like, you're going to hate this. So um, Caroline was really great because she truly just wants to help people. So then we were like, okay, well, let's, let's do this. And I kind of applied the same thing with Caroline. It was a little different with her because she's never produced content before, whereas Rachel was already a YouTuber. You know, she knows how to write scripts and how to produce her own content. So really, Rachel was like doing a lot of the talent work. Whereas with Caroline, it was like actually more fun for us to both do it together. And so I had a taste of like those two options, you know, coaching somebody Mm -hmm. to do it on their own and then 
co-hosting it with them. From there, like I had to create all these systems and like Word docs and Notion, you know, timelines and production timelines just to like make them feel like there's momentum. And now we have a system. And so I'm fortunate that I just know a lot of creatives that want to help people and want to teach. So I I can kind of tell, like I can tell when I talk to somebody and they talk about what their skills are and what they do and how transparent they want to be about things, particularly about money. You know, like this person is going to have fun doing it and they're going to really, really enjoy the end part of it, which is like you guys said, actually seeing them thrive. The result. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. When you said like transparency around money, do you mean in terms of how you like, do you split the revenue? So for curriculum, like if there's a money part of it, like if you want to talk about freelancing, what kind of equipment you use, like just all that kind of transparency. Yeah. 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 And so when you're creating these new products, courses with people, are you seeking co-creators who can create a course that your community has asked you for? Or are you kind of going, this is a great person, love what they're about, I'm going to create a course and then see if the community buys it? Like, or is it a bit of both? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's some obvious ones (laughs) that like we should have made yesterday. The graphic design course has been something like we should have been doing forever. So we're working on that one. The Shopify course, that was another one that's always been requested. But yeah, there's some like, like nobody's asked us to do a blender course, but... But hey, maybe. I mean, you said you don't, you, you know, you, obviously there have been um, courses that have just absolutely flopped, but I guess you don't go into it hoping that that's going to happen. You go into it hoping that you've kind of backed a winner. Hmm. How do you know, like, are you using that data and insights from, you know, your customers, potential customers? Because I imagine there are so many ways you could take it. <laughs> so many different courses you could add to the lineup. How do you make your decisions? I didn't think that the finance course was going to do well. I feel like I want it to do well. We made it amazing and it's um, I love it so much. And I feel like I don't think that people like to invest in themselves in that way. I already knew that. Like I knew that that was the case. But for the people that wanted that, because to me, that was everything. At least it's there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I don't know. It's just not that quick fix kind of course. It's not that, Oh, you're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars kind of course. It's it's like a very practical, like you should have learned this when you're in high school kind of thing. And I'm not saying that it's doing well, but it's not like it's not like a Squarespace course. It's not like a video editing course. You know, it's it's just it's definitely a practical thing. But <laughs> it was one of those ones where I came into it knowing that. That's interesting though, because I would say especially for freelancers, creatives, like understanding the financial side of things is one of the biggest pain points. So in my mind, I'm like, that course is solving a big problem that freelancers and creatives can face, which is like getting their finances in order. Sure, but do people run to their pain? Yeah, no. And that's (laughs) that's another thing. That is like one of the, the biggest revealing thing about this course is 
how many people are ashamed of their personal finances. The one thing that Caroline said was people would never talk about their debt until after the end of her coaching session or way later, you know, to your fiduciary, which is what they're there for is to help you get out of your uh, get out of debt. But yeah, you're right. Like people don't want to run to their pain or they don't want to like face it. And they'd rather solve it in more fun, creative ways than to like do it head on. It with the hard stuff. Yeah, of course. Of course. I think that's the other thing too is I I mean, because I was in I was in credit card debt when I got out of college. So I I know how it's sucky it is to face it, but I know as a business owner how important figuring out my personal finance was like a crash course in business finance, business accounting, how to make money. That's the thing that we're trying to let you were saying a second ago, like every founder, every freelancer should know this because if they if they figure this out, if you can figure out your own personal finance, you can figure out your own business. And that's like, that's it. (laughs) It's like, you don't need to go to get an MBA. Like you truly just need to figure out your own personal finance and you will get so far. So I wanted to ask you, it's worth pointing out that some of these courses have big brands attached to them, which is fantastic for you, right? And I think, you know, there's equity in other brands in terms of Squarespace. You can kind of trade off of that and that would attract a certain crowd. But if we're thinking of someone that maybe owns a small business, doesn't have an email list that perhaps it was as, you know, engaged or as big as yours, but they have great content that they want to get out there into the world and package it up, what would your advice be? What would you say to them? How can they tap into that kind of community, grow their community and deliver content with fanfare rather than crickets. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's an essay by this guy Paul Graham. He ran Y Combinator. And he has this essay. All of his essays are super old. They look like they were built on Dreamweaver, but they still are good. One of them was about, I think it's like do things that don't scale. His whole thing is like knock on every door or talk to every person. And that is how I built my Squarespace Mm. freelancing business was I just went to anybody who ever talked to and just told them whether they needed to know or not that I was a Squarespace website designer. And one by one would grow my business that way. I know it sounds painful and slow, but it works. The other thing is like, community partnerships, that kind of like finding where those people that you think would take your course like or learn from you, where are they? Like, how can you align with maybe that community that it's in the same world? There's a lot of just hunting for those types of connections. And you're going to learn a lot too about those different communities. And you're going to learn about what your offering is. So if you just go in and are like, hey, Lady Brains, I love that you talk to ladies and I have a course about ladies. Can we like work together? You know, the first thing you guys are going to do is look at their website, look at their offering. Visually, does it even mesh well? That's like a first thing that you'll look at. You're going to look at what is the course even about? And then more importantly, you're like, well, what, what's kind of in it for our community? If that person didn't explain that to you at all, and it just seems like it's definitely one-sided, then it's not something that I 
would think you would spend too much time about. So I feel like if you are a really good partnerships person, you'll always think about the other person. And if anything, it's like 80% helping them, 20% helping you kind of thing. And if you go and think about it and and from that perspective, how can you lose? You know, Mm. like you're always offering something. It's a great way to think about it. A lot of people that do have online courses are trying to figure this one out. You know, there's email marketing, there's Facebook and Instagram advertising, partnerships. I guess have you anything else that we haven't perhaps haven't discussed that you've seen that's really working for you? Not one thing is like the thing. Email marketing, if you had to delete one and then I was like, okay, shit. I would say that do not delete my email list. Yeah. That would be like number one. The thing about that is, and we talked about the newsletter, it was a consistent, at first it was supposed to be a business thing, a product, and it ended up being our marketing that paid for itself. So I don't necessarily think that you have to think about a product that will pay for itself, but can you provide something that can be as consistent as weekly and is actually valuable to the type of people you're trying to attract? via email. (laughs) And if you can do that, that's so good. Keep doing that. And then there's social, which has changed for us. Like before, so I didn't even have an Instagram account because we just had our email newsletter and it was doing great. And then we started doing more social stuff. So social has definitely become more important. Paid ads is has ugh, paid ads this past year. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, I think that we're really lucky because we make thumb-stopping kind mm. of video ad content. You do. Yeah. yeah. And I know the ads that don't work. So, you you know, if it's not working for you, you have to make more creative content. Yeah. yeah which is where you can do that in social. It's also one of those things too, where I just wish we didn't have to rely on it, like Mm -hmm. in terms of reaching so many cold audiences. And that's where partnerships has like really come through for us, which is for you guys too, I'm assuming. I think that partnerships has been an interesting way for us to make some pay for our own promotional stuff that we need to do. I had gotten really good at it because of my personal Instagram account. Yeah. yeah. Which which is crazy because it's just like I'm not that big. You know, I'm like there's just like I I just knew I, or I was forced to figure out how to sell. I can be funny, I could write a script. I could like you know, do these things. And so you have to just kind of think about it that way. You don't always have to rely on numbers. For partnerships, Mm. if you don't have numbers, you cannot rely on numbers. So what else do you have that you can offer? And I think I really learned that with my personal. And it's been super fun to experiment with with I Love Creatives. Yeah. I think it's nice that does an amazing job at partnerships. If you just look at their website and go to their media page, it's just like really cool how Mm. they approach it. It's interesting for us because I think, I mean, we play in the partnership space as well. And to be fair, partnerships have really funded the creation of our course and our other products. And it's interesting, like we are very selective in terms of who we partner with. And in the past, we've sort of done more traditional kind of ad placements and they just don't work. So when it comes to the content creation, 
it has to be creative and it has to be valuable for the audience. Otherwise, it just falls flat and then you don't deliver for the brand. So, yeah, it's an, we're sort of trying to balance at the moment the partnerships side of the business with the more product-based side of the business, which we know is the scalable side. But you sort of have to do one funnels into the other. So you kind of have to balance both. The Venn diagrams. I mean, we, we definitely have those as well in the business. And it's nice to see where they all kind of overlap and support one another. Yeah. And really like being able to beautiful mind it and see all of those opportunities. Like that's it. We love a Miro board or a Figma board. <laughs> yeah. Once you can see that. And I feel like that is the one of the keys to unlocking, you know, the success within your business. When, you know, all the pieces or the, yeah, the Venn diagrams, they, when it all overlaps, you're like, oh, that funnels to that. I mean, it takes mm, a while to does. see that and, and visualize that. For, for you guys with partnerships, do you feel, because the, the thing about partnerships too is that it's, I mean, it's truly service-based. It is, yeah. Mm. And it's taxing. I feel like it's harder than the actual, our actual business just because it's like, you want it to be creative. You need to think of something new all the time. It's higher stakes in a way than building out a product. Mm. And you're wanting obviously to deliver the results for, for the, the brand or the partner. And there's a huge sort of networking element. There's a big sales element. There's the creative yeah. element. There's the delivery and the reporting. Like it's pretty high touch client work, to be honest. And so that's always a balance for us, which is like, how do we spend enough time on the partnerships and the kind of sales side to bring in the money to fund the other parts of the business without taking away from the parts of the business that are scalable? Like it's the constant battle, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, anybody who wants to get into partnerships, like in my mind, I'm like, that is a little harder (laughs) to do Mm. than to build a product because you have to have so many skills and it starts with personality. Totally. And connecting with people. Yeah. It's connection and it's trust. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that you have been successful? What do you put it down to? I think that I always try to do the math on what I'm doing. And like, truly, we didn't do that with Made With Map. Obviously, we did that with People Map. But with I Love Creatives, it's there's a lot more people have to hire, which is expensive. <laughs> There's a lot more marketing that's involved. And you really need to think about money. So I honestly feel like that is a huge part of I Love Creatives. Any business being successful, but I, I think that like if I didn't do that, if I didn't look at my books all the time, I'd probably overspend. And I also think that having a what I love about web and what I love about making or that Isle of Creatives is a website at the end of the day is that you can make your own world. And so I feel like I've been able to make this world. I try to make it as much me as possible or whoever I'm working with, like infuse their personalities into it. And I think that is maybe why we are a little different than other people. And, and then we just don't take ourselves seriously. (laughs) That's like the other thing is like, it's not a big deal. Like most things are not a big deal. And I am not here to get stressed out. And I feel like that mentality has just allowed us to get through a lot of any kind of problem or low. It's just what can we do about it? It's not a big deal. Okay. All right. I had a baby. I didn't finish my thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one, I feel like you get a pass. Uh, yeah. that's, you know, 
No, that's okay. I was going to say a little out of your control, but I was like, no, that was definitely in your control. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I feel like that mindset of is is something that a lot of people don't necessarily practice. Mm, Um, And I see it a lot with like students, particularly people who overthinking is is something that I had to learn as a, a founder in the beginning that was like a huge crutch for me. Like it was just something that was like burning me out. It wasn't hours of work. It was like hours of being, of overthinking and worrying and feeling like, oh my God, everything I'm doing is so precious and needs the utmost emotions and feelings attached to it. And it's like, no, not really. (laughs) It's like, I definitely am like, nah, it's fine. It's chill. That's something that's really hard for people to learn. And you have the only way to unlearn that is to put yourself in situations that are chaotic and situations that are unknown and situations that um, make you worry. Otherwise, you won't be able to figure out how to do that. Have you been in situations where like things were pretty tough, whether it was financial or otherwise? Have you been in situations where you've been like, oh, fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I think People Map was probably the most, it was pretty stressful because Facebook and Instagram at the time were like always on the brink of closing it down, like the API and shutting it off. And they did actually once or twice. There was one day where our business completely shut down and we were like, holy shit, we have all these customers and like they can't actually use our business. But it's, but at the same time, it was just like, okay, what can we possibly do? Like, what is the next step? But yeah, for sure. Oh, of course. Who hasn't, you know? There's no way around it. Like yep. there's no perfect no. business. Yeah. So what's next? Um, I feel like we're going to try to do this this course thing without me and see how that goes. I'm pretty excited because I like I said before I really liked I like being able to teach teachers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's where, that's what's next. Stay tuned. Yeah. And figuring out how to not rely on paid ads. That's like, that's always on my list. Oh, if you figure it out, let us know. (laughs) We'll let you know too. We hope you loved that chat as much as we did. I think the biggest single takeaway from that conversation is to do the math. As a founder or a freelancer, you really can't get away with not knowing your numbers. Know how much you need to earn through the business each month and compare that with how much you are earning. Know how much you're spending each month and on what. Review your cash flow weekly if you can. The more across the numbers you are, the more empowered you will be to make really good decisions in your business. If you want to see some clips of us in studio with Puno, head over to our Instagram account at lady.brains and please follow the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss an ep. We have some absolutely cracking ones coming up. 